listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Hey, that really has been the essence of our series, has it not, in Colossians, that um, above all things, that was what that bridge was saying. It listed riches and comfort and, and wealth, uh, security, anything you want to name that essentially Jesus is better. And so in this series that we've been going through in Colossians, the, the goal, the climax, the, the ultimate uh, appeal that, that the word of God is making is look to Jesus. Amen. Is that right? And so I believe that song reflected that very well. Um, as Jack mentioned, my name is Cole Rhodes. I'm the journey pastor here. I lead college students and young adults. This is my wife, Caitlin Rhodes over here. We're really excited to have her here. We just had our newborn, uh, Eleanor and about May 6th, not about May 6th, on May 6th, 2020. Um, and this is the first Sunday she's been able to come back. And so it's just a, it's a good day for us. No kind of a, a weird day for some of us wearing masks and all that stuff, but uh, definitely glad to be here. And even with the, the craziness of the past couple months, uh, we got here in January. It has been a blessing to be here at this church. I, I come in every day um, excited uh, for just what God's going to do. Every day I come into the office just eager to, to work with those that I get to work with and serve with those whom I get to serve with. Hey, I have a question for you. Uh, two questions, actually. I want you to raise your hand if you have ever been lied to or had someone kind of twist the truth when they were talking about you? Have you ever been lied to? If you're not raising your hand, I hate to tell you that, but you've probably been lied to, all right? So, all right, good. Hey, can we put those hands back up? Ever been lied to? All right. A lot of people, right? Pretty much everybody should be raising their hand. If not, you have really good friends. You've been really sheltered. Um, I'll lie to you afterwards so we can just get that out of the way. Um, hey, now I want you to raise your hand if you have ever lied to someone or twisted the truth about someone. Oh, hands are a little bit slower to raise, but we got them up. Isn't that crazy to think about? That the topic we're going to cover today, lying and the counterpart, our goal, truthfulness, uh, we, by raise of hands, I, it seems like we can all relate to, right? So by the end of this sermon, hopefully I do a decent enough job that we're like, hey, we said something applicable. Hey, um, whenever I was a, a little kid, there were two things, uh, you could say sins against me that, and even now kind of stir me up that really bothered me. Um, one was lying for sure when someone would lie to me. Another was stealing, I remember uh, my, my cousins, I think they watch uh, online sometimes, Gabe and Jeremy, one summer, they pulled their money together to get me this awesome like BMX bike. Remember the bikes that have the pegs on, on the wheels, stuff like that, you could do tricks. I was always kind of a chubby kid. I couldn't really do the tricks, but I tried, you know what I mean, and fell and made a hole in the ground, all that stuff. And so it was, it was a real cute thing to watch, I'm sure. But I love this little green BMX bike. It was awesome. Well, one day it came up missing. Someone stole it. Okay, here's, I'll just fast forward. Miraculously, we went to the police department and everything was fine. They had the bike, they found it. I don't know how, but they did. But you know, as a little kid, 
I was still mad about that someone stole from me. Like I was, oh, we need to punish the guy who did this. Like it wasn't enough for me just to have my bike back. I wanted to see retribution. Okay, so that's one example. But also when someone would lie to me, it, would, it just did something and kind of still does, maybe to you too, kind of does something to my soul. It kind of stirs me up. And so I remember I had this friend who I hope is not watching, ever watches this. His name was Justin. He's a childhood friend. And we... As little kids grew up, we would a lot of times ride bikes together. And I remember one of the things that he would tell me, he would always be bragging about his bike. See, he had a Huffy. Anybody ever have a Huffy bike? And I had like a Walmart, like off-brand. I don't even remember what it was, you know, but I was proud of it. And he would constantly tell me that his bike was better and then it cost so much money. It's like, it's like a $500 bike, bro. And I was like, wow. Well, you can imagine, like I was jealous. And then the deceit that I felt when I walked into Walmart to see the price tag on his exact bike, it was like $99. It was like, dude, we're both, we're both riding cheap bikes because our parents know we're going to tear it up anyway. And so he would do little things like that. We would, we would play uh, Dukes of Hazard, like I was always Bo, he was Luke. He'd probably lie to you and tell you that I was Luke, but I was Bo. Um, we'd ride around, play bikes, and he'd always exaggerate about like some trick he did on his bike or whatever. He just, he, he, he was a liar, all right? Let's just call it like it is. And so the sad thing is, is like he never really got called out for it. I, I even remember in the high school days, sometimes being around uh, Justin, he would kind of stretch the truth a little bit. I'd be like, dude, why are you doing that? Anyway, why did I tell you that story? I think, unfortunately, these little childhood stories that we can share, um, if, they, if they go unchecked, uh, lies or maybe twisting of the truth, um, although sin is sin, they kind of uh, morph into maybe more, uh, in quote, serious sins. You, you get what I'm saying? So we get into adulthood, and um, similar to what I hope Justin's doing better now, but uh, maybe some more serious things we could kind of twist the truth on. Some of us maybe are a slightly dishonest come tax season. Um, maybe some of us, whenever uh, we're at work and we know our supervisor is kind of looking down on us is that we may highlight or over-exaggerate maybe the faults of those underneath us to try to make ourselves just look a little bit better. Um, I could go on and on and on, but sometimes these like funny childhood stories, they turn into real life adult things. And this is where the word of God is going to speak to us as we've been kind of going through this series. Um, as Brandon has mentioned, we, we sort of look at what is the gospel? Who is Christ? Okay, now we're beholding Christ and this is what it looks like to behold Christ and now live the Christian life. And so if you would pick up with me in Colossians chapter three, um, verse eight through 11. Today's question that's gonna be answered is why is it so important to be truthful? Starting in verse eight. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, Malice, and this is where we'll be this week. Slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So, again, the question, we, we resonate Hey, lying and slander are not good things. So why is it so important to be truthful? Let's look at verses. I'm getting text message from a family group message right now. So if you see me swiping, I'm trying to get those messages to go away. All right, uh, verses eight and nine, look at what it says. Let's start with kind of part, uh, 
part B of verse 8, where it picks up, it mentions uh, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing you put off the old self with its practices. Why is it so important to be truthful? I think because in a spiritual sense, lying and slander are the old clothes, so to speak. And so in other words, where there's lying and slander coming out of our mouths, we're wearing the old clothes of an unbeliever. There's an expectation for Christians that that's not what we look like anymore. We've, we've gone backwards when that's happening. Uh, one of the things that I like to do when necessary is to sort of look, hey, does it mean lying even in the original text? And, and sure enough, it does. The word here for lying is pseudome. I recognize that. Pseudo, fake. Um, saying something fake and false is the essence of what this is getting at. In other words, you're, if you're speaking about someone else, you're willfully misrepresenting a person's character. You can tie lying and slander. Anyone know the ninth commandment, right? Not to bear false witness. You can kind of tie this into this, that lying and slander are a violation of that commandment. And then slander is from the word blasphemia. Y'all recognize that word? Blasphemy. We, we understand like, to commit blasphemy against God, to believe something, to say something that is false about God. That's why we see um, a lot of times we see the religious leaders uh, giving um, credit, saying that, oh, these are works of Satan, not works of Jesus. And that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's a blasphemy of God's work. So saying something that's not true, we can actually do the same thing with others. In a sense, we can blaspheme the name of others just as we can about God. Look at verse 9, how it says, old practices. See, there, there's a clear correlation. If there's old practices, there must also be what? New practices. And so the Bible makes it very simple. There, there are old things that you used to do, and those are to be taken off and thrown over here. And now there's this newness that you get to wear. I think some of you are going to resonate with this. For some reason, when I was in middle school and high school, especially middle school, I'm not trying to throw any middle schoolers on the bus here, I remember being in athletics. And for some reason, instead of washing my clothes every day like a normal person after gym or taking them home, I would wear the same shorts and the same shirt from Monday to Friday. So I would work out Monday, get sweaty, throw it back in the locker. They're all like messed together. Take it back out Tuesday, work out, get sweaty, put it back in the locker. And so on. And sometimes even like, not even Friday, I wouldn't even take them home because I would forget. And then another week would go by. You know what I'm saying? Anybody in here guilty that anybody did that? Going no one's going to own up to it. Tony's going to own up to it. Thanks. Y'all are real quick to say, yeah, someone's lied to me, but you're not, you're not quick to confess this one. Hey, that's really nasty. I used to think that the coaches like we just wanted to go easy on us because it's Friday. It's because we stink. I get it now. Like they're like, we got to get you guys out of here. You smell so bad. We're going to have you work out for 15 minutes and you're going to go to your next class because we don't want to smell you anymore. Okay. So in a very real sense, when we are lying, when we're committing slander, when we're just continuing to live in sin in a very spiritual way, we stink. <laughs> We're walking around in Friday's nasty gym clothes when Christ has called us to throw those off. And here's what's something in interesting. Um, the people 
um, just use this illustration. The people that in our lives, like as the coaches, that should have cared about us the most, that were, were training us and wanting to encourage us, even they, in this physical illustration, didn't want to be around us because we stink, right? You know, you've been around someone that needs a shower. They, they stink. Here's what's interesting. In a spiritual sense, especially in the body of Christ, when we reek of the old practices, when we reek of the old lifestyle before Christ, even those who really care about us, if they were honest, they love us. They don't really want to be around us because we stink. And so some of you may say, hey, I know you're talking about lying and slander, but what about this? Sometimes I may exaggerate just a little bit to get my point across. Um, I may, you know, make myself just look a little bit better, you know, may just kind of, exaggerate just a little bit, or maybe undersell something that wrong that I did to kind of just diminish it just a little bit. But that's, that's not lying, right? And my response would be is, it is. See, I think for a lot of us, I, I'm looking around, like a, I, I know a lot of you in this room. I don't think that this passage is going to hit us like extremely obvious, like, yeah, I just lied this morning about 10 things. I think we're going to have to lean in and look at some subtleties. Places where we may over-exaggerate or sort of tweak the truth a little bit. Places where we undersell the truth and fail to represent a person or situation accurately. And so here's, here's an application. I want you to ask yourself, would I want someone else to oversell or undersell something that I did that made me look worse? That's a quick no, right? That's a quick no. So that's what we're talking about. Let's lean into this a little bit closely, a little more closely. So at its core, I believe, as we've been going through this chapter, we look at even the morality of Jesus to, to love God and love others, love others as you would love yourself. I think this is what this is. This becomes a love others the way you want to be loved. This becomes a talk about others the way you would want them to talk about you. I think when we get into chapter four, we're gonna see verse six saying that your speech be seasoned with grace. It's impossible to lie about someone, to twist the truth about somebody or yourself and be seasoned with grace in your speech. So why is truthfulness important? Because lying, slander, all those things, those are the old clothes. They stink. Don't make others suffer from your stink, right? Throw those old clothes away. Now, I think we know the basic logic in a spiritual or physical sense. As of right now, the only application that I've given you is to take off old clothes. So we got to get some clothes on, right? We agree with that? Like, that's not a good place to be. And so let's keep going in this passage this morning. Why is it so important to be truthful? Let's look at verse 10. It says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So why, why is this so important? And Colossians 3, uh, verses 8 through 11 this morning, why is it so important? Because Jesus has laid new clothes out on the bed. Lying in slander are the old clothes. At this point, there are new clothes laid out on the bed. We've taken off that old, and now we put on the new self. See, in a very real way, there is a newness. People should notice. Y'all ever, ever met that someone who just had like a radical change in their testimony, like when they became a believer? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're like, that is not the same person. Even from like the week before to the week after conversion. That's what this passage is getting at. 
to exhaust the last illustration, what it should look like is all of a sudden the coaches want to be around you because you're wearing clean clothes. You decided to put on new clothes. To stretch it out even more, what that means is that, hey, we're not perfect. We're not going to live perfect. But because of how we put on the new self in the body of Christ, people generally want to be around of us because we don't reek of a lifestyle which we know we shouldn't be living like. Does that make sense? I remember um, one of the funnest things about getting to come home after serving overseas for two years. Caitlin and I were in East Asia. If you know much about East Asia, what you know is that um, there's a high smog rating pretty much pretty much everywhere. There are some cities where it's cleaner. And so what would happen is you'd move over there. We, we bought new clothes as we went. And what would happen is over time, our clothes, because of the, the smog and then some of the water issues, would just kind of discolor a little bit. Um, they would constantly carry this odor in them. And how many times you wore them, they just they stink, right? And so we were so excited to get on the plane and knowing, like we were talking about all the way home, like I can't wait to get some new clothes on, some fresh clothes, especially as we get back to the States because we're not in East Asia anymore, right? People are like, man, your clothes stink, right? Like we know we got we to gotta get some new clothes. You can imagine how excited we were to get home to Caitlin's parents' house. They let us stay with them for a little bit. And we walked in. You know what was laying on the bed? I remember it. This beautiful blue Nike t-shirt. These beautiful gray Nike shorts. I just wore them last night. I love these shorts. They were brand new. They were clean. They didn't stink. And we uh, showered and put them on. I remember it's like, oh, this feels so good. Clean clothes. Y'all resonate with that a little bit? So here's the deal. How weird would it have been if I saw those clothes after what I just described to you and I looked at us and said, nah, I'm going to sleep in what I wore on the plane. That'd be weird, right? I can tell you one. Here's what would happen. Number one, Caitlin would have said, nah, boy, you're not going to bed with those stinky clothes. Like I know that. So that's not even a possibility or I'm going to sleep in another bedroom. All right. Sleep on the floor. Number two, there are clothes right there. New clothes right there, laid out for me. It's like almost effortless. All I gotta do is put them on. What am I pointing to? It's the same idea in a spiritual sense when we don't put on the new clothes. It doesn't make sense. And so my application here is that we need to, we need to be excited about putting on the new clothes. It's not, it's not a burden. The way I just described to you, tap into that excitement if you were just kind of be in my shoes to see that blue Nike shirt and those, blue, uh, those uh, gray Nike shorts, just to put those on. I was excited. And that's what Christ is calling us into. We need to be excited to put on the new clothes. I think sometimes the issue for us is we're honest. We may say, but Cole, I, I like the old clothes. They're comfy. It's like a sweatshirt in the winter that's like 20 years old. It's been worn in good. It's a little bit stretchy. Kind of feels I like the sweatpants. Just sitting there comfy. I feel warm. I don't, I don't want to wear new clothes. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm content. Those new clothes, they, they don't fit the same way. They require me to sit up a little bit different. They require me to 
See what I'm getting at? You know what I would say? I would say you're right. I would say that as excited as we can get about living our life, to put on the new clothes, to glorify God with our life, the easier way is definitely to stay in comfort. The easier way is definitely not to care what flows out of my mouth. I can guarantee you when I'm not intentional, when I don't care, yeah, all sorts of stuff coming out of my mouth. That's the easier thing to do. That can be our default. Well, it's okay to talk badly about this person after church, just for a minute, and then I'll act like I feel bad. Oh, but, but bless her heart, right? Am I right? And so how do we fight that? You know how we fight that? We don't look so much at the exterior, hey, do this. It's an identity issue. That's not who you are anymore. It's not only a matter of new habits, it's a matter of identity. You belong to Christ. You are of Christ. Your actions follow, just like someone sponsored by Nike, which I'm not, even though I mentioned it 10 times already. We, in a sense, in a spiritual sense, our clothes are sponsored by Christ. That makes sense? That's all we wear. We put them on every single day. Christ is our sponsor. He's given us clothes. He's laid them out. We put those on. So it's, a, it's an identity issue at its core. Why is it so important? Because Jesus has put new clothes out for us. As much as what we've said is applicable this morning, I think this topic goes much deeper. I think I've been tapping into this a little bit. It goes beyond the outward behavior into the core, right, of who we are. So let's keep moving forward. Colossians 3 verse 10. Now we're going to read the second part of this verse. So the first part is having put on the new self, and this is it right here, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So why is it so, so important as a Christian in 2020 to be truthful? Because being truthful, as you see on the screen, is part of being transformed into the image of Jesus. So this is in what, what uh, in the Latin is called imago Dei, which means image of God. At its very core, this is an image of God issue. According to this passage, the new us, those wearing these new clothes, are to, going to continually be, check this out, transformed to look more and more like Jesus. You know what I found very interesting this week? Um, as I was studying this word uh, renewal, you can see kind of it has a synonym of being transformed. You know what uh, some scholars noted? That this word is not found in secular writings. This word, renewal. Now, why is that? I think this word renewal here is exclusive to Christianity. That there's there's unbelievers, there's the world looking in on us and they're seeing what we have. A, a, a few things when we become believers, we have the Holy Spirit working all this fruit within us, right? And there's a transformation that's called sanctification that's happening. And the, the outside world is looking in and we have this beautiful word that's exclusive to Christianity, this renewal, this transformation, this conformity to the image of Christ, which they don't get. They don't have a word for it. They never have. They can borrow from Christianity some ideals that they think are good, like we should love others and they kind of strip and pull, but they don't have the Holy Spirit to actually create that love within their hearts from the very core of who they are. So isn't that amazing? So what scripture is saying here, hey Christians, you see this word right here? This is exclusive to you. 
It's because the Holy Spirit, the will of God, is to see you renewed into this beautiful image. You see, this is what, as I said, a Christless moral system will try to do. It, it offers, in the words of Robert Wall, he wrote a Colossians commentary. He says, a Christless religion is powerless to renew people because it transmits a false knowledge of God's moral pattern of the new age. In other words, if Christ isn't your morality, that's not Christian morality, amen? If the way, the truth, and the life himself can't be found in your system of truth, then that is a flawed system. I want you to note this. This is not some kind of blind, passive transformation. Yes, we are being renewed, but look, it's accompanied with knowledge. You see that? Being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So we grow in knowledge of who God is, our creator, Jesus Christ, John 1, Colossians 1, right? And as we know him more, we become more like him. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the image of the invisible God. So if we know Christ, we become like Christ, thus we become more like God, thus we become like our creator. You see that? Isn't that awesome? I mentioned this a few weeks ago with the journey, but um, here's an issue. I think we're like, oh yeah, Christ is our creator. And okay, gotcha. Whenever um, you're physically running, right? It's a, it's a good idea. Like if you're gonna run uh, a marathon or a 5K or whatever you're gonna run, it's a good idea to have kind of an end, right? Like you probably shouldn't run aimlessly, especially if you're kind of a beginner runner like me. Like I need to know, hey, after mile two, I'm done. Like I don't need to know this. They have this indefinite like, you know, like coaches are running you and you're like, when is this gonna stop? I don't, I don't need that, all right? And so one of the funny things about the, the movie Forrest Gump is what is he doing? I was running, right? He was running. And what happened? People just continued to follow him. And, and they had no idea where he was going until, let me make sure I get the quote right. It's simple. He didn't have a clear goal in mind and people followed him. And he finally said, he just stopped in the middle of the road. He said, I think I'll go home now. And then that brother ran home. How many Christians have lived their lives aimlessly until the point where it's time for them to go home? AKA, they have an aimless life. It doesn't really seem like they're shooting for anything, running for anything specifically. They just kind of live and they die and go be with the Lord. What am I getting at? Do we tend to live without Christ as the end goal? That's what I'm asking both being in his presence and becoming like him. See, Christ, as much as we struggle to believe that in the here and now, he is the ultimate reward. He, and he's transforming and growing us in Christ's likeness to the glory of God. Um, it's the essence of our calling. Romans 8 says we're predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of Christ. So to be saved, to have God's salvation, is to be conformed to the image of Christ. When I read passages like Colossians 3 and Romans 8, what I see is God is for this. Like he's for us. He's not just like, all right, good luck. He's like, no, this is a part of your identity and your core. This is a part of being made in my image and becoming more like Christ. So the application is don't run aimlessly toward this goal. I was just talking with someone last week that expressed to me 
this contrast. Let me just get the Bible for this. And so what they're saying is that they feel like in their life there's this contrast. Here's what they're experiencing in their life. And here's what they see in Scripture. It's a newer believer, even admitted, hey, here's what I'm seeing some Christians do in their life. And, or so here's what I'm experiencing in my life. And here's what I'm seeing Christians experience in their life. I see passion in their worship. I see them excited about the Word of God. And we begin to talk more and more. And what begins to, to get unearthed is you have to ask questions like this. Hey, what is, what is your aim? Is it to be better or is it to be transformed? You see that? We settle for so little. We settle for so little to be a good person. And Christ is calling us to be a renewed, transformed person. Like we have access to something in Christ that the world can't understand. Is it to look a little less sinful or to be renewed and transformed into the beautiful picture of Jesus? And so here are kind of four quick things just to, just to know if you want to write these down. I think first, if we want to answer this question, hey, the contrast between our life and what we see in Scripture or Christians that we think are more mature, I think, one, we got to know what you want to become. What are you trying to be? I think, number two, you got to make what you want to become Jesus. So if it's something else, drop that, Right? Number three, you've got to lean into a lifetime of continual renewal and transformation. It's God's tearing off those old clothes and daily calling you into the new clothes of Christ. We can go back to those sweatpants real easy, can't we? It's discouraging. You pick it back up. Number four, you keep your eyes on Jesus. We've said that over and over and over again. You know why? because we rarely do it multiple days in a row. We need continual reminders. Keep our eyes on Jesus because we become what? What you behold. Say that again. You become what? What you behold. Why is truthfulness important? It's a part of being transformed into the image of Christ. Let's read verse 11 together. Verse 11 says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Lastly, why is it so important to be a person of truthfulness? It's just right here. Everyone in the body of Christ is a fellow image bearer. When I, when I read this, uh, you see different words. Okay, Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slavery. What I see is different lifestyles, different ethnicities, different backgrounds. So here's how I'd sum it up. It don't matter who you are, no matter what you look like, who your mama is, who your daddy is, what you've been through or not been through, as a believer, you are defined by what? Am I got the answer? Jesus. And you're made new by Jesus. And so here's the deal. I expect lying to each other. I expect, I expect slanderous words or people to, to think and act illfully towards others. Don't you expect that outside the church, right? Of course. They're, they're unbelievers. They're, they're are under the, they are under the guise and deception of Satan. And what is he? The father of lies. I expect that. But in the body of Christ... After the curse of the fall, where the image of God was marred in us, what happens in Christ, and in some sense, that gets to be reversed. This is reverse conformity. We're supposed to look more and more like God originally created us. 
And so as we're looking at church, as we're looking at other people, let me ask you this. If Jesus were standing right here, just next to me, and, and he were to, let's see, it's like something I did. I probably ate too much ice cream last night. That's, that's a real story. All right, so I probably, it was on the, on the verge of gluttony a little bit. Right, so um, Jesus comes up to me and says, hey, did you, uh, did you, you commit gluttony last night? I would say, no, no, what are you talking about? No, I, uh, I'm on a Whole30 diet. Yeah, I didn't do that. How weird would that be for me to lie to Jesus directly? Well, like we, he knows, right? <laughs> okay, but it's Jesus himself. Like, what a slap in his face to, to lie to him. Now, check this out. Why do we treat it any differently when we think about lying to the image of Jesus that we bear? And that can be applied to how we talk to each other, how we do everything. That's what the Bible's tapping into. So when I see Catherine Geyer right there, when we, when we talk afterwards, I gotta give her a hard time. Catherine has really good about noticing funny things I say in my sermon, and she lets me know about it afterwards. So I'm gonna get ready. <laughs> um, but if I come up and I, I talk to her in like a, like a meme way or whatever it may be, she's like nervous now. Um, how weird would that be? Because that would be li- or speaking illfully toward the very image of Jesus. Because of the worth, church, because of the worth that we have as image bearers, it's a slap in the face of our creator to lie to those created in his likeness. So every time, application for this, every time we are about to lie, ask yourself, would I say what I'm about to say if Jesus were standing there? Let me say that one more time. I, I need some more squirms in the seat, all right? Would I say what I'm about to say if Jesus were standing right there? Even inside of you, you may be thinking like, you know what, I think it's still okay. Maybe a white lie here and there. It's not my place to, I can't see if you're thinking that or not. But I think I know something in our culture that's existed for a long time is we try to put on a good image. You know what I'm saying? Like families coming into church, especially, like I already resonate as a parent of a newborn, like I, I would like it to look like my life is not a total mess when we start bringing Eleanor in. I just want to put on a good image. Everyone smile. Doesn't matter if we've been fighting before, whatever. Let's smile. Hey, everybody, how you doing? God bless you. Like, we want to put on this good image. But here's what's funny. I think where the Bible speaks to that, I thought about the, the woman at the well this week. I think what happened is Jesus approached her in John chapter 4. I think she was trying to put on a good image. And not, not to shame her, but, but Jesus kind of gets down to it. He says, hey, I know you've had several husbands, and actually the man who you are is not your husband. He just went straight towards the jugular. You know why I think he did that? I think because Jesus knew he was about to transform this woman's life. That the old image that she had, that the, all the conjuring that she could do to kind of, hey, look at me, like I'm good. I have this lifestyle that I'm hiding behind, but look at me, I'm good. She knew, or Jesus knew he's about to transform this woman's life. He's about to give her a new image, namely his image. He was about to redefine her entire life, a new identity, a beautiful image that she no longer had to be ashamed of. And you know what's crazy? When I hear that, I know that when people are trying to constantly put forth this image, what's sad is they have no idea, especially in the body of Christ, who we really are as a Christian. 
Y'all lean into this. We are so worried about the image we project, but check this out. In Christ right here, Jesus is the new image you get to bear. There's no need to lie or to cover up who you are because you're a walking reflection of Jesus. Caveat, I'm not saying just continue to live a, a sinful, rampant lifestyle. That's not what I'm saying. But I think to try to cover that up and not walk in authenticity and vulnerability in your body of Christ, I think it's denying your ultimate identity. Y'all see that? Jesus is a new image you get to bear. So do not be ashamed, church. Rather, embrace that. Embrace the perfect image of Christ that he's given you to walk in. You know what God the Father sees when he looks down on you in Christ? Righteousness, spotlessness. The gospel says it's been given to you as a free gift. To do what? To walk in it. So why is truthfulness important? Because everyone in the body of Christ is a fellow image bearer, others including you. And as we close, I want to show you how I think today's text speaks very clearly into our world today. So I, I would say it's fair to say if there were ever a time for the body of Christ to not buy a lie or sell a lie, I think it's right now. If there were ever a time where it mattered so, so much, church, to speak the truth in love rather than contradict the word of God, it's now. If there were ever a time to have discernment of some lies and deception that Satan is putting in our culture, it's right now. If there was ever a time in our culture to point people to the beautiful, perfect Savior, Jesus Christ, it's now. Amen? That's where you amen, by the way. If there was ever a time to interact, especially within the church, with others as fellow image bearers, being conformed to the image of Jesus in Christ, it's now. Because this week, some of the restrictions we have, um, we want you to be able to process this, pray through this, respond. There will be uh, some of us, uh, pastors standing around, not here at the front this week, uh, but we will be um, in the back area. Um, But as we kind of close, I want to give you a few thoughts as you you process what God may be speaking to you. Hey, in in John chapter 8, verse 44, it, it mentions something that's very important for us. It mentions that Satan is a liar and he's been lying since the beginning. And so a few hard questions this comes down to, diagnostic questions to ask is, do we want to be like our creator or like the deceiver? And that clear answer is, don't be like the deceiver, right? Be like your creator. With the power of the Holy Spirit in you, take off those old clothes, put on the new. Step into that word that only we have as Christians, that renewal and transformation that's only available in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Step into that. To be like Christ, let's think it's fair, right? To be like Christ is a high standard. He sets the bar pretty high. But the one who sets the bar high also provides the ability to be lifted up to where that bar is. To be like Christ from where we are, maybe it should probably for all of us seem like a really big change. 
full conformity to Christ is never going to happen in this life. But we're always going to be at a point in contrast to the perfect image of Jesus where we're in constant uh, renewal and conforming to his image. So it's a big change, wouldn't you say? But the one who calls us to change, unlike any other system, is also the one who empowers us to change. Amen. The one who transforms us is calling us into transformation. Jesus is the new image you get to bear. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this truth. I ask that um, as your word is truth, that we would be people of truth. Father, I thank you for the gospel this morning. I think just for myself. Um, As liars, slanderers, um, adulterers, drunkards, those of us who, um, God, our life has just been a mess. And I'm praying this morning that that those who don't know Christ would would come to you um, just like the woman at the well and that we would find our new identity in you this morning. Um, I'm praying for this church specifically um, as we kind of take this and reflect. God, I'm asking that if there be any grievance, as the psalm says, search me and know me and find any grievance or sin in me, that we would do that and that we would repent of that and, and maybe even go to another brother and sister and um, apologize and reconcile. Um, I pray that we more and more would be people conform to your image, people that are putting on the new clothes, that we would be a people that are, are becoming so much like Christ that we're genuinely pleasant, that people want to be around us, that we give them a taste of who Jesus is, of who you are, God. If there's ever a time where that's so important, I believe it's, it's now. May your word speak and your spirit work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast.